Lines. Welcome back to Fault Lines with Nixon and Stranahan on 105.5 FM in Washington, D.C. And guess who just just ambled into the studio? Well, you can't same. amble in. There, there is security. You're, okay. Well, okay. <laughs> you can't even get up in the elevator yeah. without, you know, being brought up or something like that. But but Hollywood Hi. is here. I, here. I, I like it when Holly. Let me t- explain. I like it when Holly's here. For one reason, because it does make it seem more like a morning zoo kind of. You know what yeah, I'm saying? Yeah, 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 yeah. Bring the, the zoo. That's right. I just do. I do like that. Well, Thanks. we have with us now the, the urban libertarian. Yeah. I might add, Hollywood, mm-hmm. with really cool glasses on. All right, we've got with us Michael, and I'm not going to mess this up. Nevradakis, producer and host of Dialogus Radio. Um, he's a writer for Mint Press in on Greece uh, topics regarding Greece. And we're going to talk about what's happening with Turkey and Macedonia. Good morning, Michael. How are you? Good morning. Glad to be here. How bad did I mess up your last name and the name of your show? Actually, you got it. Not, uh, you did well. well all right. See, so well, if you'd gone into it competently, Garland, yeah, and then let him correct you, mm. yeah, that's that's gonna, that could have worked. That's now, we've had Michael on before. He's a great guest. And last time he was on, we got off on a tangent just because we don't talk to people who are in Greece very much. And Greece has been pivotal. What we, what we started to get into last time, Greece has been pivotal because of uh, when you talk about the EU, there was a lot of anger in right. Greece. That's fair to say, Michael, right? There were, pe- people were just upset, right, about what's been going on with uh, the austerity that was forced on Greece. Losing by, their sovereignty over their monetary policy. Like Germany. Germany's made out pretty well. But is that's all accurate, correct? That's very accurate, and it's something that actually doesn't really appear in the public opinion surveys that are reported out of Greece, uh, which claim and have been claiming for years since the start of the crisis that Greeks overwhelmingly want to remain in the Eurozone and the European Union. There's this one poll a couple of years ago that was really it's hilarious to read it. It was claiming it was done by a by a Greek polling firm in conjunction with a Greek newspaper, saying that 75% of Greeks want to remain in the eurozone at all costs. And that phrase "at all costs" was actually included in the question. So, I mean, what does that mean? Boiling boiling rocks for soup as long as we're in the eurozone? It's absurd. But what happens is the foreign media in their correspondence in Athens take these polls. And they report them overseas as fact, and they're not fact, and I'll explain very quickly why. There's no independent polling in Greece. All of the polling firms are funded uh, to varying extents by the government. All of the polls are conducted on behalf of major media outlets. They're all owned by oligarchs. All of these media outlets have political interest that is in favor of remaining in the European Union and the euro. So these polls are essentially made to order, and they don't actually reflect the sentiment on the ground in Greece. So what do you think would happen if you guys actually had an honest, we'll call it a, a Grexit vote, <laughs> where the, Greece vo- the, the, the Greek people voted whether or not they wanted to exit, at least out of the, the, you know, the euro-dollar monetary uh, 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 part of, well, the, of exit, if not the whole thing yeah. of, 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 of um, the eurozone? I think that uh, if there was a referendum, an honest referendum on leaving the Eurozone at the very least, uh, it would pass. And the evidence that I have for this, aside from just 
being in this environment and you know hearing what people are talking about in the street every day is perhaps the only independent poll that I can think of that's been conducted in recent years in Greece that has asked this question. Uh, there was this poll conducted, I believe, at the end of 2014 uh, by a firm known as Gallup International, and it's a reputable firm. They conduct an annual public opinion survey in 37 countries, uh, including many EU member states, um, and they ask a variety of different questions on the economy, social issues, and so forth. In 2014, they included a question about uh, the national currency uh, for the European countries, and they asked whether people in those countries would prefer to remain in the euro or whether they would prefer to have their own currency. And in Greece, the result was 52% preferred their own currency, a return to their own currency, and 32% um, preferred to remain in the in the eurozone, and of course that left a good chunk of people that were undecided. But and nevertheless, there was already a majority in favor of leaving. It makes sense to me because I cannot imagine, you know, being in the U.S. that we would vote for that. I can't ima- cannot imagine any country where the country controls their own currency, their own monetary policy, saying. We want to give that up. Why don't we let some shady, I'm using the word shady, but that's probably not fair. Why don't we let some other group that is put together by a whole bunch of other other countries decide what happens with our money? Let me me make the argument. The the argument, and by the way, it's not an argument I agree with, but here's the argument. You say that for America, sure, but let's say we want to have a North American currency. Right. And it would get we'd get rid of the peso, we'd get rid of the Canadian dollar, we'd get rid of the American dollar. For the for Mexico, there might be advantages to that. Does that make sense? In other words, if you're a country, if you're a smaller country, this was the argument behind the euro, is by having one unified currency, it would help some of the countries. You see what I'm saying? I'm not saying it'll, it's worked out it that balance. way. What's that? It'll give it a balance. We'll give it a balance. But, That's exactly so right. Here's what I think happened. Tell me if you, if the people of, of, of Greece uh, 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 agree with this or how you feel about this. My assessment was what it's done is it's given the German and the Austrian banks a stranglehold over the entire uh, um, European uh, financial structure. What are your thoughts, Michael? That's very accurate because all of the all of the monetary policy decisions are made out of Frankfurt. Yeah, and they don't and they don't necessarily reflect. And that's this is what people have been upset about. Now, the other thing, and Michael has written about well, this, this: the Germans wised up. The first two times they used like tanks in the Luftwaffe, they didn't do that this time. They used monetary policy, they used, and it's been do. much more effective. Banks, not tanks. There we ah, go. That's a good slogan. I like. Good that. morning, everybody. <laughs> I'm leaving. Now, the other thing, Michael, you've written about this over at Mint Press as well. So there's an interesting controversy going on right now, uh, Garland, over the naming of a country that's calling itself Macedonia. I'm going to call it Macedonia for the purposes of this discussion. Okay, Michael? Just to make it easier. But the whole dispute's about the name, right? So Macedonia is a region in the Balkans. And I know a little about it because I've talked to people who are politicians over there. Because they were having a problem with my friend George Soros, Garland. Soros, Your business partner. They literally, George Soros literally has, there's something called, I'm not joking. This is what they call themselves, the Soros Army. That's what they call mm-hmm. themselves. Probably pretty accurate. In Macedonia. And I I've talked to officials Soros. 
who were basically Soros was in there kind of doing what he did in Ukraine, where uh, affecting civil society on stuff. Now, Michael, you know what I'm talking about with the Soros army, right, Michael? Yes, yes. Now, the interesting thing going on right now, Garland, is not that controversy, but this is an ongoing current controversy. So, Michael, I'm going to let you take it. I'm just trying to set this up for you. But the but the Greeks are really mad that the country's calling itself Macedonia to the point where Greece is now, they have like five names they're suggesting instead of Macedonia. So it would just be let you guys anything know, besides Macedonia. Just so, just so you'll know, the Wizards is taken. It's the no, NBA, team. It's the NBA so, team for Washington, and we kind of like it. But, Michael, I'm not, it sounds weird if you're, not, if you're not familiar with this story, but I'm not underestimating. This is a big deal for Greece, correct? Yes, that's correct. It is a big deal for, for, for the Greeks, and especially just for the ordinary people of Greece. It's at once a very simple and a very complicated issue, and, you know, it's a very long story to get into in a few minutes, but I'll try to boil it down. I mean, first of all, it's not a new issue. Um, uh, Greece's neighbor to the north, which calls itself Macedonia, um, has been calling itself Macedonia since it declared independence in 1991 after the former Yugoslavia broke up, and that's really where the dispute began in earnest, even though even even though before independence, uh, this territory that was then a part of Yugoslavia uh, was also known as Macedonia. It had been renamed in the 1940s by uh, the Yugoslav leader Tito. Um, so there's a whole historical context behind there that you know will take a lot of time to get into. But the dispute that exists and the disagreement on the part of the Greek people has to do with a couple of things. One is, of course, the appropriation of the name, because there's also a region in the north of Greece that is known as Macedonia. There's the historical argument that the ancient Macedonians were Greek. They spoke Greek. Alexander the Great and King Philip were, were Greek. Uh, some are claiming that they were not, and they refer to these ancient Greek inscriptions that supposedly call them barbarians, which was another way that ancient Greeks referred to foreigners as. But the truth of the matter is they spoke Greek, their tombs are in Greek, all of the ancient inscriptions are in Greek. So the argument goes that you know, Macedonia is historically and culturally Greek. But there's also a third issue at play, and it's the one that gets the least attention but it's probably the one that's the most important in our contemporary times, which is that the fear is, uh, on the part of many Greeks, that call, the, the country to the north calling itself Macedonia is doing so as a prelude for expansionist ambitions that it has. And this is not some kind of paranoid idea that conspiracy theorists have. Uh, politicians from that country have appeared in front of maps showing so-called Greater Macedonia, which includes a very large chunk of Greek territory. So it's almost as if they're endorsing these maps by publicly appearing in front of them. The constitution of the country that calls itself Macedonia includes language to the effect that um, there's a they have a responsibility to unite all of these Macedonian peoples. So that could be inferred as 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 meaning uniting also the Macedonian peoples 
that are in Greek territory. Now, Mike, I'm going to say one of the things this reminds me of to some extent is what's going on with Syria, actually. And people don't understand this, but when people hear ISIS or ISIL, that's the Islamic State of Al-Sham, that's the uh, Arabic term, or the Islamic State of the Levant, which is the French term. They mean the same thing. In Syria, that means greater Syria. What is greater Syria? It's not the country that we now know as Syria. Does that make sense? In other words, Israel is part of what people consider greater Syria. So some of this is looking at ancient maps. Right. Okay. Now I get You see it. what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. It's looking at ancient maps. Michael, do you think that's a fair comparison to make to to what the concern is here that they're looking at it would I'll put it like this. Do you know where we have that in this country right now? There are uh Hispanic Latino activists who see California Mm, yeah. As part of Mexico, and Mexico, Mexico no, excuse me, in Texas, the, the, which was, Texas, which was yeah, seized Texas. from and Mexico people, in a war. Some yeah. people in Mexico. Right. So I would or the say Greater Washington D.C. area. We include everything. We yeah, say that. right. No, but but specifically, there are some Hispanic and some people in Mexico mm-hmm. who look at California as northern Mexico. Yep. Right. Yep. So I, I, you, Michael, is that a fair comparison to make? You think? Yes, I think there's some parallels there, especially when you see that there are politicians from the country calling itself Macedonia appearing in front of these maps, which have also appeared in some cases in school books and in in other settings, showing a so-called greater Macedonia. Now, the the issue here is a lot of people will say, well, look look at the country calling itself Macedonia. It's a tiny country. They don't really have a military worth talking about, but it's... (laughs) what kind of threat is Greece facing from this country? But it's not so much the threat from the country itself, but the fact that it has a lot of um, support from the powers that be. It is said that the largest U.S. embassy in the world is in their capital city, known as Skopje. So right to the north of uh, the country calling itself Macedonia is, I believe, Camp Bonsteel, I believe that's the name, which is one of the largest U.S. military bases in the world. And, of course, both the U.S. and the EU, as well as NATO, would like to see Macedonia in both the European Union and NATO, as would Turkey. And one of their strongest allies is Turkish President Tayyip Erdogan, who refuses, actually, to accept... He's actually more adamant about this than their own government. He only, uh, he has been adamant that they should call themselves uh, the Republic of Macedonia and nothing else. And, and Turkey's actually training uh, that country's military as well. And the other thing that's interesting geopolitically about, the, uh, the again, I'm going to call it Macedonia. The other thing that's interesting about it is this was also a key point where the migration crisis that's going on in Europe, this was a a lot of people were coming through Macedonia at one point, correct? They, they were actually uh, coming from Greece and going into the country calling itself Macedonia on their way north uh, to continental Europe. Uh, and, of course, much of the inflow into Greece uh, was from Turkey. So if you could, can we like pivot a little bit to, into um, what's going on now? The dynamics between, you know, uh, t- uh, Turkey and, you know, Greek and, Cy- Greek and Cyprus, Greece and Cyprus. Well, there's been a lot going on. Uh, Turkey has ratcheted up the aggression toward both Greece and Cyprus in recent months. Uh, it bears noting here that the Turkish military has occupied 
almost 40 percent of Cyprus uh, since 1973. Uh, the, the capital city of Cyprus, Nicosia, has been divided. There's actually a, literally a dividing line in the city uh, ever since that uh, invasion took place in 73. But what is happening now is uh, on the part of Cyprus, for instance, Cyprus has huge natural gas reserves. I believe I saw a figure uh, something as high as 340 trillion uh, cubic liters of natural gas in its territorial waters in the Mediterranean. So what has Turkey done? Turkey has sent naval ships to the Mediterranean, to Cypriot waters, uh, and is basically blocking any foreign ships from uh, European and American uh, oil companies, uh, companies that have actually been licensed by the Republic of Cyprus to, to explore for uh, oil and gas in the region, Turkey is actually uh, sending them away and blocking their access to Cypriot waters. Cyprus does not have its own navy, so it can't really fight back. Uh, so Turkey is doing whatever it wants uh, in, uh, on that end of the, uh, the spectrum. And then in Greece, uh, a couple of issues here. Uh, Turkish ships and Turkish fighter jets enter Greek uh, uh, maritime waters and airspace on a daily basis. This is actually nothing new. But what they have been doing more recently is they are actually circling uh, various smaller Greek islands. Some of them are uninhabited, but they're still part of Greek territory. And they're actually preventing uh, the Greek Navy from approaching these islands. And there's been statements, very inflammatory statements from Turkish politicians saying that these islands are ours. Uh, Erdogan has come out and questioned the Treaty of Lausanne from 1922, which is the treaty that um, set the borders, the boundaries between Greece and, Cyprus, and, and Turkey. And then we also had this incident on March 1st where two Greek soldiers were actually captured by Turkish troops along the Greek-Turkish border in the north of Greece. And ever since then, they've been imprisoned in Turkey. Uh, there's absolutely no sign that Turkey is going to release them anytime soon. And it, it really looks like a hostage situation where Erdogan's endgame here seems to be the demand of various Turkish asylum seekers that have gone to Greece and have been seeking political asylum and in some cases have been granted political asylum. Um, he wants them back, uh, and he's using these two soldiers basically as a bargaining chip. What is unclear is whether Turkish soldiers came into Greek territory to, uh, to pick them off, whether they strayed into Turkish territory or whether something else happened that we don't know about. It's all very unclear. Well, it certainly sounds like uh, there's a there's there's some significant issues going on between uh, basically geopolitically. Um, there's a, there's some very significant issues going on 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 all sides of Greece right now. Sounds like it's a kind of a tumultuous time. Well, Michael Nebrzakis, thanks so much for joining us. You're the host of Dialogues Radio. Tell people where they can find your stuff. It's uh, dialogosmedia.org and also the new site, um, the editor for HellenicInsider.com. And, and, Michael, once again, really appreciate it. And Garland, as I say, if you look up this name thing between right. Macedonia and Greece, it sounds weird. But I swear, it is a major issue going on right, right. now. And it sounds like they're concerned that people – and that's what we're seeing. You know, and it's, it's not funny, just Catalonia, about the name, obviously. We're seeing a whole – a lot of issues – 
in Europe and points around there about people who are trying to change the border. So who knows what's going to happen? Great guest. Thanks, Michael. we got more coming up. Listen to Fault Lines with Nixon and Stranahan.